Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Well, today we are so, so blessed to have with us another world-class speaker. I mean, all through our time of sizzling summer, we've had amazing speakers. And today, I am just so excited to be able to have in the house the pastor of Zoe Church, L.A., the one and the only, Chad Beach. Come on, man. Give it up for Chad. Come on, let's give Jesus some praise today. Come on. At every campus, come on, let's lift up an ovation to the King of Kings today. Amen? Do you feel good today? Are you excited to be in church today? Turn and give somebody a big high five next to you and find a place to sit down. Show somebody some love. You can find a place to sit down today. If you have a Bible, turn with me to the book of Hosea, chapter number two. Go to Hosea, chapter number two. We are going to jump in in just a moment, but I got to ask you real fast. Do you love your church? I am blown away by what God is doing in this place and through this place. And I think it's because you have some of the greatest pastors in the whole wide world. Can we clap and honor Pastor John? Come on, Pastor Debbie, let's give it up for these guys right here. I mean, you know, in culture, they talk about goals. That's goals right there. To be that happy, that full of faith, that full of life, that excited, these guys are the best of the best. And I want to ask you, if you're going to be a part of James River, that you pray for your pastors. The Bible would literally ask us to pray for them. And the Bible teaches us that if you love your pastors, you buy them Starbucks gift cards. So come on, let's clap one more time for Pastor John and Debbie. We love you guys. What an honor to be here with you guys. We love the whole family. It is good to be in church. Have you had any coffee yet today? Let me see your hand if you've had coffee. Look at all these spirit-filled believers right here. I've had two cups of coffee, so I feel great. I feel excited. I'm a married man. Any married people in the house today? <laughs> that sounded painful. Any happily married people in the house today? Yeah. My wife and I are celebrating this year 12 years of marriage. Isn't that awesome? She is so blessed. And uh, so we have th uh, three boys and one girl. God has been so good to us. Has God been good to you? Come on, let's clap one more time and thank God if he's been good to you. Give him, don't give him a little church clap. Come on, let's give God a praise if you feel like he's been so good to me. All right, all right. Okay, let me go. Hosea chapter 2. We got all the business out of the way. Let's get into the Word now. Hosea chapter 2, verse 14. We're, we're going to jump into Hosea chapter 2, verse number 14. This is God. Now, just a little bit of context. This is in the Old Testament. This is pre-Jesus. Y'all remember life pre-COVID? Glory to God. This is pre-Jesus. So this is in the Old Testament. This is before grace. This is under the law. God speaks to a prophet 
named Hosea and he says, I'm going to, in your marriage, I'm going to bring your marriage as an example of what I, God, will do for my people. His wife, Gomer, had run out on him. She became a prostitute. Could you imagine? God says to Hosea, I want you to go down and I want you to buy your wife back. I want you to go down, find your wife, and purchase the one that you are married to. Bring her back home. Now I'm just going to say, thank God that God has a mighty man of God like Hosea around. Because Hosea obeys and, and goes down and gets his wife. He said, the same way that you are doing that for your wife, I'm going to do that with God's people. Anybody thankful today that when you were gone and you were lost and you were against God, anybody thankful that God didn't wait for you to show up at church? Anybody thankful that he sent, oh, come on, somebody clap today. He sent Jesus on a rescue mission. God says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do with Israel. I'm not going to bring my wrath. I'm going to bring my love. Watch what he says here, Hosea chapter 2. Listen to the word of God. He says this, and now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start all over again. I'm taking her back out into the wilderness where we had our first date. Y'all remember your first date? Shout out to Chick-fil-A. I'm, I'm, where we had our first date, and I'll court her again. I'll give her bouquets of roses. Ooh, that's a word for a man of God in this place. I'll give her bouquets of roses. What, this is where we're going to land today. I'll turn Heartbreak Valley into Acres of Hope. She'll respond like she did as a young girl those days when she was fresh out of Egypt. Those days when she, when she, when she, when we first started to fall in love. Do, do you remember the day when you first met Jesus? Do you remember the day when you first said yes to God? Man, if you've never had that day, today is your day. But, but, I, but I just want to say, when you first fall in love with Jesus, I'm telling you, I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in church. I made it. A lot of people in my church didn't think I'd make it, but I made it. Come on, somebody. I'll never forget when I first fell in love with God, when I first gave my life to Jesus, he, he says she'll respond like she did when we first fell in love. I want to preach a message today, write down the title. It's called Heartbreak Hotel. You ever been to a bad hotel? Oh, come on. Let me see your hand if you've been to a bad hotel. There, there ain't nothing like going to a bad hotel. A bad hotel will change your life. Now, I got to be honest, I travel a good amount, so I love a good hotel. What is a good hotel? Anything that is clean. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Somebody say amen. So a good hotel, I don't care how good or bad the breakfast is. I don't care. Look, the hospitality is kind of important, but I want to walk into that room. I want to sense cleanliness. I want to sense the godliness. I want to sense that the sheets are clean. The bathroom is, has, been, has been taken care of. I want to just feel like, like these, these body washes and shampoos, they really do work. There is nothing like going into a bad hotel. I'm, I'm telling you, I grew up poor. I know what a bad hotel looks like. A bad hotel, when you open the door, you can sense evil spirits. You walk in and you're like, you, you do this five times in a row. 
is that smell? The bed is made, but you know it's dirty. You all of a sudden become like an investigator. You're like, you're a detective looking for cockroaches. You go into the bathroom. It looks like it's been cleaned, but you know this is not clean. You've got a decision to make. Listen, any person that's ever been to a bad hotel, you've got a decision to make. You've got about a 60-second window in your soul to know that you are going to stay here or you have more self-respect than this. You're getting out of here. I wonder if some of us, you've had life treat you cruelly and you've gone into a heartbreak hotel and some breakup, some divorce, some medical report, some incident, some fallout, some relationship has caused you to check in to Heartbreak Hotel. And God is saying what was supposed to be 60 seconds has turned into not just a day or a week, but some of us have taken residency at the Heartbreak Hotel. And God is saying, I've not called my children into Heartbreak Valley. I've called my children into Acres of Hope. I've called my children into the best of the best. Somebody clap today and thank God I'm a chosen generation. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a, come on, clap today like you believe. You're a son. You're a daughter of the Most High God. Some of these hotel rooms, I wouldn't let my worst enemy stay in this room. And God is saying, no, 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 I want to build hope in your life. I love hope. By the way, the first book I ever wrote, sorry, the first published book I ever wrote, because <laughs> a self-published book is for your garage, your own garage. First published book I ever wrote was called Unreasonable Hope. I wrote this book after our daughter, my nine-year-old daughter, received her diagnosis. The, doc the doctor sat down with us and said to us a death sentence over my baby girl. She was three months old. The doctor said, I'm so sorry to inform you, but your daughter has lysencephaly, smooth brain. Your daughter, your baby girl, she'll never walk, she'll never talk, she'll never roll over, she'll never crawl, she'll never live to this many years, she'll never develop to this many months. Let me just say something to you. Never let the doctors have the last say. Jesus. You ought to clap like you believe it today. The great physician will have the last say. Come on, give God an ovation today. If you believe he is the author, oh, come on, somebody. He's the finisher of my faith. God ain't done until he's done. God ain't done until it's over. Somebody clap and thank him that even if I die here, I'm the promise of everlasting life. My hope is in the name of the Lord. I'll never forget, I'm driving home with my, my wife. We're crying our eyes out. We're feeling overwhelmed. We can't, this is my firstborn, my babe, my precious daughter, three months old. We're driving home. I felt God speak to me. F fill your home with faith. Fill your home with hope. But the Bible says only three things remain. There's only three things that remain, and they're faith, hope, and faith. That's all you need. You need faith for today. You need hope for tomorrow, and you need love for God and his people. That, listen, you only need three things. My dad growing up says, son, you only need three things. You got to live, die, and pay taxes. Let me tell you something today. You only need three things. You need faith, you need hope, and you need love. Faith for today, hope for, and love for God and his people. 
God spoke. He said, listen, in your home, fill that thing with faith. Fill it with hope. I love God because the world says, don't get your hopes up. God says, put your hope in me. The world says, no, 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 we're not that hopeful. And a believer says, no, 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 I got the cut. Listen, faith is awesome. Hope is an extension of faith. It's not inferior to faith. It's just an extension. Let me just say it this way. Faith is the builder of your life. Hope is the architect of your life. So faith will build your legacy, build James River Church, build your future, build your company. Faith will build. Anybody thankful today that you're building your life with faith in God? All the faith people are giving me a clap. I love Faith people are my favorite people in church. But I got to be honest. I like hope. Because hope is the dreamer. Hope is, I was sitting with a pastor the other day, he's got, he showed me his plans for his new building and as, and as the architect drew up all these plans and the different rooms and the, dip, the kids ministry and the sanctuary and the sound and the, you know, the, just the dreams. Do you know that God is in heaven? He's got a plan for your life. It is not up to you to develop a plan for your life. God already has a plan for your life. God says, for I know the plans that I have for you declares plans to prosper you, give you a hope and a future. So I love hope. Listen, I put this quote in the book, but let me just read it to you on the screen. We can live 40 to 50 days without food. You can go eight to nine days without water. You can go four minutes without air but you can only go a few seconds without hope. You need hope. You need hope. You need hope. I wonder if you're hopeful about the future of our nation. I wonder if you're hopeful about the future of this church. I wonder if you're hopeful about your marriage. I wonder if you've got hope in what God is going to do in your life. Because the world says, don't you get your hopes up. And God says, no, no, no. Even if your daughter is sick, there's hope of a better place. This world is not your home. You're not a citizen of this planet. Put your hope in everlasting life. Clap today if you're willing to get some hope. Come on, we're getting out of this dingy hotel with bad lighting and no Wi-Fi. And we're getting into acres of hope. I'm going to give you a few things to write down. Write down number one. I love this from God. God gives you present hope in the place of past pain. He gives you present hope in the place of past pain. So today, where there's been past pain and whatever part of your life is painful, God is today going to inject, infuse you with hope. In the place of past pain, he always gives present hope. The other day I was preaching in, in Memphis, Tennessee, and, and at, at the church, they said, Pastor Chad, th there's a, uh, a pastor, another pastor here that we want you to meet from Massachusetts. you got to hear this guy's story. I said, I'd love to meet him. And they said, you're going to love him. He's an energy guy. He's got good energy. I said, ooh, the energy guy. He, he's loud. He, yeah, Pastor Chad, he's loud like you. I said, I love meeting loud people because loud people, when we get together, we just get louder. So when I saw him, he was like, hey, man. I was like, hey, man. He's like, how you doing? I'm like, how you doing? That's how loud people roll. We get louder. So they, I said, I heard, yeah, you have an amazing story. He said, you got to hear my story. 
He said he grew up in, 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 as a drug dealer, been a part of the drug cartel for years. He developed such a huge operation in Massachusetts that the FBI raided it and he got sent to prison for six years. In prison, one day he gets invited to go to a chapel service. In jail, he goes to a chapel service. He hears the gospel and he gives his life to Jesus. Can we clap and thank God for all the prison ministries that are seeing people like this come to faith? He starts going to church in jail. He's going for a few weeks, all of a sudden he shows up at chapel and the chaplain doesn't come. He said, where's the chaplain? The chaplain quit. He said, oh, that's all good. I will teach the chapel service. So for six years, twice a week, this guy taught the other inmates. His seminary was in prison. He's preaching and teaching the Word of God twice a week for six years. When he gets out of prison, he tells the Lord, Lord, all I want to do is what I did in prison. That was so fulfilling. I want to go start a church. God says, absolutely. We're going to have you start a church. In fact, I'm going to take you back to your hometown and you're going to start a church. He said, Lord, no, 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 no. We can start a church anywhere but there. They know my name. They know what I did. I was in the newspaper. I, I got a bad name. I got a bad reputation. The Lord said, no, 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 no. You come back home because I'm going to take the place of past pain and I'm going to turn it into a place of present hope. Somebody clap today. You don't got to go to Africa. You don't got to go down the road. Come on, somebody thank him today. Even in your home, even in your marriage, even in, come on, give him a praise today. He's going to bring present hope. Present hope. Pre yeah, let me give you a biblical context. God says here in Hosea 2, I'm going to take the valley of heartbreak and I'm going to turn it into Acres of hope. Well, what is the valley of heartbreak? In the Old Testament, the book of Joshua, God, 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 God had said to these guys, I'm going to give you victory. I'm going to give you success. Twelve tribes of Israel, I'm going to take care of you guys. Just, you cannot enjoy any of the spoil. One day God speaks to Joshua. He's like, yo, Josh, somebody here done messed up. Somebody here stole some of the spoil. So he brings out all the tribes. He's like, this is like parenting. Did you do it? Did you do it? Did you do it? Finally, they bring out a guy named Aiken. He looks at Aiken. He's like, Aiken, did you do it? Aiken's like, yo, my bad. He's like, bro, that's not how it works. Joshua 7, verse 26. Watch as it comes on the screen. Again, this is before Jesus. Then all of Israel stoned Achan. And after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. And over Achan, they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Acre ever since. This is the Valley of Heartbreak. See, some of us think that you've been defined by a mistake you've made like Aiken made a mistake. You made a mistake, but you are not a mistake. And in the same way that God can forgive this drug dealer, God can forgive you. And he takes the place of past pain and he says, I'm going to take where there was a valley of heartbreak and decisions that bring such animosity and decisions that destroyed our family and destroyed our legacy. I'm going to bring acres of hope there. Anybody thankful today that I'm not defined by my mistakes and I'm not defined by my past pain. I'm defined by the present hope that's in my life to build my future.
Oh, I love this about God. In fact, write down number two. I love this about God. He's turning things around. God is turning things around. We serve the God of turn. He turns things around. Yesterday at the white water, we were waiting in line. A lot of waiting in line. It's, it's fine though. It was 97 and humid. It was not that bad. A lot of waiting in line. A lot of waiting in line yesterday. When you wait in line with three boys, you got to get creative. So our boys, we had seven, five, three. And so my wife was trying to get the boys to, to line up back to back so we can see how tall the seven-year-old is versus the five-year-old and the five-year-old is versus the three-year-old. The five-year-old, he doesn't like to listen yet. So we kept on having to turn him around. No, no, no. We want you to be back to back with your brother. Now he's the middle one. So back to back now with this brother. He's, we're turning him around. God today is turning you around. He's turning your situation around. He's turning your life around. We serve the God of the turn. He, if you're going one way today, God beckons you by grace. Turn around and come home. Repentance is not tears. Anybody could cry. Repentance is turning from my sin, turning from the air of my way, turning my, my life and my family around. Clap today if you're willing to let God turn you to the cross, turn you to legacy. Come on, give him a turn clap today. Oh, I love this. I love this. Read, read here, Psalm 30. You have turned for me my mourning, and you turned it into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Look at Malachi 4. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and he will turn the hearts of the children to their fathers. Look at Jesus here, Matthew 13. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts. And what will they do? Turn. And if they turn, then I would heal them. God is turning you today. You ever see somebody get offended? They turn away from that relationship. They turn away from that person. They turn away from the things of God. God, by his grace, he's always turning you back. He's turning you back to being soft and humble and meek and full of wisdom, full of joy, full of strength. I'm thankful for the God that turns. Anybody else? I'm thankful that he's turning me around today. He turned my mourning into dancing. He turned my sorrow into gladness. He traded my, my worst things for my best things. Amen to that? And God, God can turn something around that looks totally destroyed. He can turn something around that looks absolutely dead and gone. What the world says, this thing's over. You're going to live in this hotel room the rest of your days. Good luck. You ever stay in a hotel room and they, they sign off who cleaned the room? I always want to be like, let me find her. I want to talk to Sandra. I want to really find out. Sandra, you signed your name here. Did you really clean? Because it doesn't feel clean, Sandra. Some of us, you, 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 you just, you've lived here because shame is such a bully. And shame says to you, you deserve this. You, you made a mess. You, no one did this but you. you, you you're awful. 
Do you, do you hear how much negativity and condemnation and guilt comes from the law that kills and destroys? But when grace gets in your ear, that's why those declarations are important. When grace gets in your ear, grace says the best is yet to come. Grace, grace is Jesus saying, no, 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 no. Who cares if Sandra signed the bill? You got acres of hope. Acres of hope. People, I live in Los Angeles. We can't even think of acres of condominiums. The other day, we were in Washington State uh, for the 4th of July at my in-laws, and my in-law, my, my father-in-law has a barn and a great property, and I said to my father-in-law, how big is your property? He said, 2.5 acres. That could have been a small island in my head. I'm like, oh my God, 2.5 acres of land. You're the richest man I know. High five. See, God wants to take your small soul and your small thinking and your small issues and say, I'm bringing you into vastness. I'm bringing you into space. Oh, come on, somebody thank him. He pulled me out of a miry pit. He set my feet upon a rock. He put a new song in my mouth. Many will hear of it and they will see and they'll put their trust in the Lord. Give him a praise today, James River. Thank him. I've got acres of hope. I got acres. I can run around. I can play around. I got acres. I got land. I got God never brings you into smallness. He never brings you into this little bitty legacy. No, the blessing of the Lord maketh one rich and he addeth no sorrow to it. God wants to bless you big. God wants to do the Ephesians 3.20 thing to you. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, far above anything you can ask, think, or imagine. Four people clap. Everybody else needs to clap right now. It's the ruling church, guys. It's the ruling church. He's turning. He's turning. He's turning things around. He's turning. He's to maybe you thought my marriage is done. No, no, no. He's turning things around. My kids have left the faith. No, no, no. He's turning things. My, my business. We got we to gotta, we gotta close this thing. No, no, no. He's turning. He's, this relationship, this friendship's gone. No, no. He's turned. He's turning. He's turning. He's turning. Come on, somebody just wave your hand if you're willing to allow God by his spirit to turn you to grace, turn you to the cross. Oh, I love this. Watch Isaiah. Watch what the prophet says. Do not remember the former things. Don't look at that hotel room nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forward. Shall you not know it? I will make a road in the wilderness. I will make rivers in the desert. Let me say it this way. God can make a way where there seems to be no way. God can make a way where there seems to be. Some of you are like, I don't know, man. I don't know. You loud, but I don't know. God can make a way where there seems to be no way. You know, like when you go to prison for six years and you and everybody's like, you're, you're a waste. You're, you're a drug addict. You're a, you're a dealer. You're a nobody. You're a, you deserve this. You're, the rest of your life will be, will be rid, ridden with, with all kinds of failure. 
a mistake. God can make a way where there seems to be no way. And I wonder, I wonder today if God is saying, no, 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 lift your hand, lift your hand. I got hope. I got hope. Oh, I got a hope. You can go without food. You can go without water. You, you, you can go without air, but you can't go without hope. I need you to be. I'm driving with my wife. We're crying our eyes out. Our baby girl. Oh, I can't believe this. God says, get faith, get hope, and get love. I want to tell you the three ways God builds hope into your life. Write down the first one. The first way that God will build hope into you is he'll give you a circumstance that builds hope. He'll use your circumstance to build hope into you. A lot of times it's not a circumstance that's always like done and good and awesome and fun and glory. A lot of times it's like an Abraham and Sarah type scenario where it takes trusting God and looking to God to build hope into you so you can understand that you can have hope against hope. The way you get hope is you get a doctor's report or you get stuck in a situation or you go through pain and you learn how to hope in God where it seems like there's no way. So he'll use your circumstance to build hope into you. I'll never forget when I moved to LA, when I moved to Los Angeles from Seattle down to LA, we were planting a church. We moved to LA. We didn't have a staff. We didn't have a dollar. We only had two kids at the time. We have two more now. We moved down with all of our stuff. I'll never forget. We we're moving down and we only had one car. We're one car family. We're going to plant a church in LA. Started in our living room with 11 people. Now to this day, we've seen 10,000 people say yes to Jesus. But I'm on mission, baby. God told me, go to LA, plant a church. Yes, sir. I'm, okay. So I get down there. We're a one-car family. I got to build a church. I gotta, I'm a church planner. I'm a ch I got to build a church. So I gotta, I'm a one-car family, though. So I, tell, I said to God, finally, I said, God, I'm tired of taking all these Ubers around. You, you're going you're to have to give me a car. I don't have the money for it. You got to give me a car. I'm trying to build your church. You give me a car. So I'm praying and I'm Ubering, I'm praying and I'm Ubering, I'm praying, I'm Ubering. And this feels like it, this is an impossible task. God, I need a car. I need a car. One day I woke up from a text message and this guy said, hey, this morning my father wakes up very early and the Holy Spirit told my father to go buy you a brand new car. Here's two websites. We'll meet you at whatever dealership you want and we'll pay in cash full the car you pick out. I said, my God, somebody thank him today that he'll use the circumstance that you're in to build a hope in your life. Come on, clap today if you believe it. I'm, I got faith for today. I got hope for tomorrow. I got love for God and his people. He'll use your circumstance. He'll use your, here's the second one that he'll use. He'll use your community. He'll use your church. That's why the Bible says he sets the lonely in family. For a lot of us, the acres of hope is not some space like my father-in-law has. Acres of hope is being around the right people at the right time in the right place. So God will, listen, let me just tell you this. When God really wants to bless you, I'm talking about like when God really, really wants to bless you, he doesn't give you a car and he doesn't give you a home and he doesn't give you a boat. What God really will bless you with is a friend. Because all of a sudden you got somebody, you know, like as the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, one. Some of you, listen, you don't need more acquaintances. You need more friends. Because the acres of hope God's bringing you into is somebody that's going to pray for you. Somebody that when you win, they don't lose. They win too. 
You need, you need real friends. You need ride or die friends. You need godly friends. You need godly. You ever get bad advice from somebody? Don't point at them in the church. Just, just raise your hand. Somebody gives you advice and you're like, that's the wisdom from below. That is earthly, sensual, demonic. That is, that is wicked. I will never use that wisdom. You need, when God really wants to bless you, when he really builds hope in your life, he'll use, he'll use your circumstance, but he'll use your community. He'll use your community. You, you get hope from being around people that are filled with faith and filled with hope and filled with love. We didn't invite you to a church service today. We invited you to become a part of the community. We are a church on mission. We love you. Listen, listen. If you want to go to a church that fights with each other, this is the wrong church. We don't fight with each other here. We fight for each other here, and we're going to build hope in one another. Somebody clap and thank him today. I'm getting hope today. I wish you'd clap just a little bit louder to tell the Lord, I'm filled with hope. Here's the third one. Write down number three. This, this is how he builds hope. First one was circumstance. Second one was community. Here's the third way he does it. He does it through change. 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 change change. This is my favorite part because a lot of us are like, just Lord, can you just do everything for me? I love you so much. I want to get in your portal and go away from this bad hotel. And I want to be in my acres of hope. And if you could just do everything, that would be awesome. And God's like, uh, like I didn't even do that with my son. One of my favorite stories about this kid that grew up in the children's ministry at James River Church and he comes to Jesus and he's like, what I got to do to get in heaven? Jesus presents a question back, well, what does the Bible say? He's like, man, I've been doing it my whole life. Grew up in Sunday school. And God goes, yeah, that's great. One thing you got to change. Sell everything you got and come follow me. And this young man was like, um... I can go to church on Sundays, sir, but that change, I don't want to make that change. I wonder if the reason why you're not filled with hope is because you have yet to obey what God has asked you to do. A great question to ask yourself today is how is your say do ratio? How is your say do ratio? Do you do what you say you're going to do? Because the way you build confidence in yourself and the way you build trust in yourself is I do what I say I'm going to do. The reason why I love the June challenge and the July challenge and I'm excited about the August challenge is because the more I do these things, I say what I do and then I do them, the more I do that, I build trust. Some of you need to today, during this service, no matter what campus you're at, no matter what you're doing there online, you got to commit to God. I will change this. I will change the way I talk. I will change my attitude. I will change my giving. I will change my marriage. I will change my parenting. I will change this addiction. Whatever it is, God will build hope into you when you're willing to change. So I'm thankful today that I do not serve the God of doom and gloom. I do not serve the God that points me out like an Achan and says, look what you did. 
Look at, look at the mess you made. But I serve the God. Thou, O oh Lord, are the lifter of my head. He lifts my head to say, no, no, no. I don't have that kind of life for my kids. I haven't called you to live in the Heartbreak Hotel. I've called you to space. I've called you to acres of hope. I called you to future and legacy. Come on, clap today and thank God I'm stepping out into what God has for my life. Bow your heads. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Jesus, we are in awe of you. And we recognize that today, 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 you're building hope in this place. I pray that today we would leave with so much hope that we would be hopeful. Because you said hope deferred makes the heart sick but hope realized is sweet to the soul. I pray that sweetness in every soul right now. Hope realized, hope realized, hope realized, hope realized. In fact, if God's realizing hope for you, for your life, for your future, lift your hand right now. Just tell the Lord, I realize I got hope today. Come on, lift your hand high. God, I pray over every hand, I pray over every heart, and I pray over every home. Fill them with hope right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's clap and thank God together today.